Hello, and welcome to the Destiny Church Podcast. We trust that this will be a great encouragement to you and build your faith. Enjoy today's message. Today what we're doing is we're kicking off a new series that we're calling, Can You Hear Me Now? Can You Hear Me Now? Maybe you remember that commercial. And uh, we're going to talk to you for the next several weeks about how to hear God's voice. How many of you would like to know how to hear God's voice? Anybody in the room say, you know, that's me. I'd like to know how to hear God's voice a little bit better. Well, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to 1 Kings chapter 19. One of the things we're going to do in this series is we're going to give you some practical ways on how to hear God's voice. Today, we're not going to really deal with so much practical, um, but we're going to deal with one of the things that I think hinders us, keeps us from hearing God's voice. Um, but if you have your Bibles, let's look at 1 Kings chapter 19. This is talking of Elijah, verse 11. It says, Go out and stand before me on the mountain. The Lord said to him, Then the Lord passed by and sent a furious wind that split the hills and shattered the rocks, but the Lord was not in the wind. The wind stopped blowing, and then there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire... There was a soft whisper of a voice. Our key scripture for this series is is John chapter 10, verse 27. And I'm going to read that to you in just a moment. But let me kind of ask you a couple of questions today. When God talks to you, how do you know it's God? When God talks to you, do you know that it's God? Do you recognize his voice? Do you wrestle with it? God, is this you? Do you ask questions? If you do know it's God, how do you respond? John 10, 27 says, My sheep recognize my voice. I know them, and they follow me. Have you ever wondered, God, am I one of your sheep? Because the Bible says his sheep recognize his voice, right? So if we struggle to recognize his voice, are we his sheep? I know that's a question I've wrestled with. Even as a pastor at times, God, I'm struggling to hear you. Or God, I'm struggling to recognize, is this your voice? How many of you would be honest and say today that sometimes you struggle to recognize God's voice? Raise your hand if that's you. If you say, sometimes, pastor, I struggle to recognize God's voice. Well, if you've raised your hand, this message and this series is for you. Several years ago, it was actually in 2011, I was thinking about that over the past few weeks, the Lord really started speaking to me about paying attention to His voice. I was reading during that time in Proverbs, and I was reading Proverbs chapter 4, And uh, it was during this time of reading Proverbs that the Lord really started challenging me about listening to his voice, paying attention to his voice, and hearing him. And one of the verses that jumped out to me was Proverbs chapter 4, verse 10. And listen to what it says. It says, My child, listen to me and do as I say, and you will have a long, good life. I'm spending time in Proverbs again with several men from the church and our sons were reading Proverbs. We've been digging into that. And one of the things the Lord has really kind of started renewing that challenge in me. Hey, Chad, pay attention to my voice. 
hey, Chad, listen. This is a year for our church, a year for our families, a year for our lives. We're calling a year of better days. Even this week, as I was studying, I just kind of felt like the Lord's like, hey, Chad, if you really want to experience better days, you've got to listen. You've got to hear my voice. You've got to know my voice. And he says, like he says in Proverbs 4.10, if you do listen, and if you do as he says, you will have a long, good life. And I don't know about you, but that sounds pretty good to me. So in 2011, as I said, the Lord really starts speaking to me about paying attention to him, to listen even in the quiet moments, to listen in the whispers. And, and I've shared a little bit of this in the past, but I'll never really forget 2011 was my first trip to Africa. And it was around that time, just a little before that, that the Lord really started telling me, Chad, pay attention to my voice. I want to speak to you. I want to whisper to you. And then we were in, as my first trip to Africa, it was one of the first days there. We'd been going from sunup to sundown, running all day, and it was getting ready to be my first time to preach in Africa. And I just wanted to get to my room for just a few moments just to kind of clean up and get back to church. And we were scrambling around, and I'll, I'll never really forget it is as we're walking into the hotel trying to change clothes to go back to church, I hear this whisper, hey, check your key card. Any of you ever feel like you heard the Lord, but you weren't sure it was the Lord and like you didn't pay attention? Well, that was what I did that day. I thought the Lord told me to check my key card, but it was like, why would God tell me to check my key card? So I ignored it. I went up to my room and guess what? My key card was not working. I went back downstairs, had them fix my key card. I went back up to my room, got in. Didn't think anything, but as I was sitting in the bus on the way back to the church, it was like the Lord just kind of whispered to me, Chad, you may have felt like me saying that was insignificant, but what I wanted you to know is I care even about the slightest details of your life. And I wanted to save you a misstep. So Chad, check your key card. And sometimes I think we, we think God is saying is insignificant, and we don't pay attention to that voice but God wants to be in relationship with you so much that you hear his voice even throughout the day. I love Isaiah chapter 30, verse 21, and it says, Your own ears will hear him. Right behind you, a voice will say, This is the way you should go, whether to the right or to the left. I don't know about you, but that sounds pretty good. I'd love to hear just God just kind of sitting there all the time. Nope, don't go there. Nope, turn there. I mean, I mean, that would be great just to have God just like your own GPS. You get in the car and your friends are like, hey, do you need a map? No, I've got God. Turn right here, Chad. You know, God would never say rerouting. He just, he, you know, just, just listen. Go here. Do you recognize God's voice? Do you recognize God's voice? Do you hear him when he whispers? Even if in that moment that whisper may sound or seem insignificant, like go check your key card. If truth be told, if I could kind of take you on a journey of my life just a little bit, that still small voice, those gentle whispers, that whisper of God has directed my step, has directed my path many a time and and I've had many occasions in my life where I've heard the Lord whisper, I've heard the Lord talk, and I've listened. But I, there's really, I have about three situations in my life that kind of got me to the place I am today 
where I really felt like the Lord kind of spoke to me very clearly. The first time I remember the Lord whispering to me clearly, I was 13, 14 years of age. I know God had whispered to me before. I know, I mean, even the first time that I raised my hand for salvation, there was a nudge. There was something in my heart that was telling me I needed to repent. But 13, 14 years old was really the first time I really, truly remember the Lord kind of just speaking clearly to me. I was at church camp, Assembly of God church camp, and I was in the altars, and I can take you to the spot at that campground. And the cool thing is about each of these stories, one of the reasons they are significant to me is I can take you to the place, almost stand on the spot that God spoke to me. 13 years old, standing at church camp. If I'm looking at the stage, I was on the, this side of the stage in the altars. And I remember as I'm weeping and crying, the Lord just whispers to me. He says, Chad, I want to do things in your life that you wouldn't believe even if I told you. And he told me this. This is the first time I heard that. My dad's sitting in the room. I don't know if they've ever heard me say this. But this is the first time the Lord spoke to me. He said, he said I want to do things in your life that will exceed your father and your grandfather. That was the first time I ever heard anything like that. Second time, I very clearly, I can take you to the exact spot, 17 years of age. My parents had actually just arrived home from a Dominion camp meeting, Rod Parsley. Um, they were there, and they were showing a video on a Sunday night at church. We still had Sunday night church, and, uh, and, but I remember they were showing a video of that camp meeting, and they were on that video, there was a song, Karen Wheaton is a singer, she was singing, I was sitting in the seats. My parents probably don't remember this either, but I remember we'd got in an argument that day. We were in a fight. I was mad at my parents. I was sitting there, and generally when I was in church, even as a kid, even if I was mad or angry, I'd always try to worship and act like I was at least trying to fit in because I felt like everybody's watching me. Well, that day I was like, I don't even care. You know, and I remember I'm just kind of sitting there like a lot of our teenagers do, like God moved me off this spot, you know. And I was just kind of sitting there that day, and they're showing that video, and I remember I'm leaning back in my chair. Everybody's sitting down, you know, just kind of just sitting there. The Lord told me, he said, stand up. I was like, I'm not standing up. He said, I want you to go to the front. And I remember I stood to my feet, and I walked to the front. Everybody's just watching this video. I stood to my feet and walked to the front, and I remember I laid on the altar. I can take you to the exact spot I laid down. I can take you to the seat I was sitting in. And I laid there in the floor, and I began to weep. And the Lord spoke to me again. He said, Chad, I want to do things in your life. See, at this point in time, I had not accepted the call into ministry. I was getting ready to go to school for something different. And the Lord spoke to me, Chad, I want to do things in your life. I'm going to do things in your life that will exceed your father and your grandfather. The second time I had heard exact same words. Third time I can take you to the exact same spot. I was 18 years of age. Um, it was the summer. I was just getting ready to turn 19. And we were at a um, youth conference. Our youth group was speaking at. Uh, I was with my youth pastor. I was standing behind the stage getting ready to go out and lead worship. And uh, we were standing there, and the Lord just whispered to me, said, Chad, you're going to do this for the rest of your life. It was in that moment I knew the Lord had called me into ministry. And I stand there as tears begin to kind of streak down my face because I said, yes, Lord. And he said, Chad, he said, I want to do things in your life, things you can't fathom or imagine. And he said, you're going to exceed your father and your grandfather. Three very distinct times, three times I can very clearly remember God speaking to me. Now, there's been many whispers since that occasion. Many of them, hey, I don't know about you, but there's been many occasions where he's whispered and I didn't listen. And I wasted some steps and I made some poor choices and I went some wrong directions. 
But there's been many occasions since that time when God did whisper, and I did hear, and I heard, and I followed, and those times have been amazing. Here's what I believe. I've come to believe that hearing the quiet whisper of God is one of the most amazing privileges in all of life. I believe when God whispers your name, I believe when God talks to you, I believe when God gives you direction, it's one of the most amazing things to know, God, talk to me. When you truly hear from God, people are oftentimes never the same again. It doesn't matter if you're 14, 18, or 80. When God chooses to communicate with you, your world has the potential to be rocked. Like I said, I haven't always listened. I've made some poor choices. I've made poor choices as a man. I've made poor choices leading my family. I've made poor choices leading this church. But on many occasions, I've listened. And that voice has, on many occasions, redirected my steps many a time. On other occasions, when I've listened, he's given me a clear path. It's been that voice sitting right there. No, Chad, turn left. No, Chad, turn right. And for those of you, if you don't have God whispering, if you've got a spouse, sometimes they're that voice. Nope, you're going the wrong way. You've got a parent? Nope, you're going the wrong way. God's voice on several occasions has stopped me from falling prey to temptation. No, Chad. God's voice many occasions has rescued me when I felt down and low and like nobody cared or nobody was there. God's voice whispered and would say things like, I care, I love you, I got your back. And as 2019, I don't know if, this is the first time I'll say this this year, as 2019 begins to wrap up. Have you thought about that yet? Just three months left in this year. But not only do we have three months left in this year, we have three months left in this decade. 2020 is quickly approaching. It's a new decade. As I was thinking about this series, as we enter into 2020 as a church, I'm more determined than ever to hear his voice. Not only for me, not only for my family, but for this church, for this city, for this area. Now, here's a key. I want you to capture this. To hear his voice, you have to be intentional about it. You have to be intentional. You can't just say, okay, God, I want to hear from you. You have to be really intentional. You have to pay attention. You have to kind of slow down the pace of life. Let me say it this way. If you're going to hear God, you're going to have to lower the ambient noise in your life. You're going to have to lower the volume. What do I mean by that? You're going to have to lower the volume of everything that's surrounding you. You're going to have to lower the volume of the demands of work. See, some of us, we can't hear from God because work's too loud. Some of us, we're going to have, we can't, we're going to, have to lower the volume of peer pressure. We want to hear from God, but we can't because everything around. Some of us, the demands of finances are just so loud. Social media, it's loud. Worry, it's loud. Anger, it's loud. Stress, it's loud. So many things in our life that are competing for our attention, it's loud. Until we say, man, I've got to lower the volume of all of that, we're not going to hear God. If you allow everything else to be louder than his voice, listen, you're going to struggle. Yesterday, we were at my sixth grade son's last football game. I was A little bit emotional for me as I was thinking about that. Even this morning sitting there, I'm thinking, this is the last, that was the last time I'll go to one of his Saturday afternoon football games. It was the last time I'll get to stand on the sideline with him. I was a little bit emotional. But at halftime, we're trying to talk to our boys. 
and the noise from the speakers at the stadium was so loud, we're having to scream. And I was thinking, that's some, I bet you that's what God feels like. Hey, Chad! But we can't hear because the noise of life is too loud. If we want to hear God's voice, we've got to be intentional about lowering the volume of everything else. And if we'll lower the ambient noise of life around us, I believe you will hear from him. And when you hear from him, you will experience better days. I believe that with everything inside of me. Listen to what Proverbs chapter 4, verse 20 through 22 says. My child, pay attention to what I say. Listen carefully to my words. Listen carefully to my words. Don't lose sight of them. Let them penetrate deep into your heart. But listen to what it says. If you hear him, if you listen, if you pay attention, listen to the benefit. For they will bring life to those who find them and healing to their whole body. Best thing I can tell you today, best thing I can tell you in this series comes right here. Listen carefully to my words. Don't lose sight of them. Let them penetrate. Why? For they bring life and they bring health. Are you awake today? When you hear God. When you lower the volume of everything that is surrounding you, when you lower the ambient noise, when you stop the competing voices and you hear him and you put his words into action, Scripture tells us it will bring life to our bodies and health to our bones. I don't know about you, but that sounds pretty good. The problem is a lot of us, we don't know how to listen. We don't know how to listen carefully. We don't know how to pay attention. We have too many voices competing for our attention. We get confused. We don't recognize God's voice. And I believe honestly this morning there are several reasons. We could just talk through those in this series of why we don't hear God. And that's not really what I want to do in this series. I want to give you a lot of practical ways to hear God, to know, to test it, to put it up. Hey, is this God? Is this not God? But today what I really want to do is I, I want to kind of just dip our toe in the water, so to speak, for this series. And I just kind of want to deal with one issue. And I believe the biggest reason, I want you to hear me, I believe the biggest reason many of us struggle to hear God's voice, please hear this, is we have a distorted view of who God is. I believe the biggest reason we struggle to hear God's voice is we have a distorted view of who, God, of who God is in our life. Listen, I've been in church all my life, my whole life. I'm 44 years old. That's right, I'm 44, right, Tasha? I forgot one day how old I was. You know you're getting older when you forget how old you are, but anyway. But hey, I was, it was in the better. I was making myself older than I really was, so I gained about six months. So that was great. But I've been in church my whole life. I'm 44 years of age. I haven't always thought... And felt about God the way I do today. In fact, I really feel like I've had kind of two distinct views or two ways of thinking about God. And the view I have had of God for a big portion of my life, and listen to me, it still creeps in on me from time to time. I wrestle with it. Um, it's not a healthy view of God. It's not always been a positive view of God. I mean, how many of you have ever seen one of those signs that says, beware of dog? How many of you have ever seen one of those signs? Raise your hand if you've ever seen one of those beware of dog signs. Yeah, a lot of us have seen those. I remember my parents' old, where they used to live, their old house, um, they, there was this dog. And they had this sign out on the, one of their posts that said, beware of dog. They didn't have a fence. That was always interesting to me is beware of dog. We don't even have a fence. So just neighborhood beware, you know. 
But I was jogging one night, as when I used to jog, I used to like that, and uh, jogging one night, and I'll never forget, this dog came running out at me, is where you lived on Copper Creek, and this dog came running out at me, and I thought, oh, great, I'm going to die, you know? And so I take off running. I was faster in those days. I don't think the dog was really interested in me, but I did feel good about myself because I felt like I outran the dog. I thought that was pretty cool. But anyway, I ran, and I got to, they lived on kind of a dead-end area out, they had lived on three acres, and I jogged, I got away from the dog, and I got to a place, I'm like, now, but I got to go back past the dog to get home. So I grabbed the two biggest rocks I could find, and I jogged with those, and I thought, if that dog comes at me, I'm at least going to get in one good shot, and I'm going to bash his head in with these rocks. But anyway, he never came out, I thought that would have been interesting, but beware of dog, how did I get on that story? Beware of dog. Well, kind of my view, my mentality was always kind of beware of God. Beware of God. I kind of thought of God as a grumpy old man. And I've really thought through that this week. I've, I kind of made my own list of how I viewed God. And I thought of God as a grumpy old man who was ready to bop me on the head for anything I did wrong. I... I did. I thought God was just waiting to punish me. That's kind of how I viewed him. I was terrified as a kid that if I sinned, God would strike me dead. But even more than that, I was really just afraid that God would be angry at me and throw away the towel. If you really want to know the truth, I was terrified as a kid that if I sinned, and the moment I sinned was the moment that the rapture would happen. And I'd be like, dang it! You know, why did I sin then? You know, that's kind of the view I had is I was going to make one mistake. The rapture's going to happen. It's like, just one sin. You know, that's kind of how I viewed God. I was going to just like, he's going to like, he's just waiting for me to sin so he could blow the trumpet. Now, blow it now. He hasn't said forgive me. That's kind of how I viewed God. Any of you ever had that view of God? That's how I viewed him. I hate to admit it. I, I really had a distorted view of who, of who God was. And crazy thing is, even I was sitting in my office this week thinking about this. I loved God. I truly loved God. And I knew that he loved me. But still, I had this distorted image in my mind of who God was and how God saw me. And I wish I could pinpoint exactly the way I felt like I did. I can't blame somebody. I wish I could say it was their fault or their fault. I really can't pinpoint the reason I felt that way. I think probably religion had a lot to do with it. But one of the main things I remember during this time is Christianity was different for me than Christianity was more about following this man-made list of rules and regulations, this kind of this moral code. Christianity for me at that point in time was really a lot about do's and don'ts. Do this, don't do that, don't go here, don't talk to that person, don't say this, don't say that. And listen, Christianity, when you begin to fall in love with God, let me hear you. Let me say this. When you do begin to fall in love with God, you do stop doing things. But it's not because God's up there in heaven saying, here's the list. If you do this, because I, I do remember times, and hopefully you guys are hearing me today. I'm just kind of trying to talk to you because I, I think a lot of us struggle to hear God. And I remember coming in the altar as a kid. I remember, I remember one time in particular, I, a, I brought a friend of mine to church. You know, and that was rare because I didn't want to bring my friends to church because somebody might take off running, and I was like, I don't want them to be there when they run. If you didn't grow up in one of those churches, you're lucky, you know. 
I, I, I love those, but those days there was like, oh, please, Lord, don't let, you know, I could never bring a girl to church because it was like, and I never brought any other girls to church. It's only been you. But anyway, <laughs> but I mean, but I was, if you didn't grow up in one of those churches, you're like, what's he talking about? But if you did grow up in one of those churches, you know exactly what I mean. You'd bring a friend to church, and that was the day that everybody was, everybody had come off their meds. You know, it's like everybody's running, everybody's screaming, and my friends would be like, oh, sweet Lord, what am I in? You know, and you would see like human-sized holes in the back wall, like, just get me out of here. But there's one occasion, I'll never forget, a friend of mine came to church, said yes. He came to the altars. He said yes. But then there was this lady that got in his face, and she's like, now that you've said yes to Jesus, you need to stop doing this. You need to stop saying that. And I remember thinking, he just said yes to this guy that loves him. Can he just have that for a moment? And a lot of us, Christianity is do this, don't do that. Listen, when you fall in love, here's the deal. I don't look at other women. I don't talk to other women, not because she says don't do that, but because I love her. And I want her to know that I love her. I don't want to say, well, I won't do that because you told me not to. And that's really what Christianity kind of is, is I do the things I do for him because I love him, not because he said don't do that. But for me, I had it distorted, and I saw Christianity as do this, don't do that, and it messed with me. And maybe today your view of God is distorted. And maybe your view is not distorted like mine. Maybe you didn't think God was angry at you, but maybe you thought God was a distant relative that you, like, never saw, didn't even know what he looked like. That's my cousin? I had no idea. Maybe you thought of God as a CEO, Maybe you see God as your genie in the bottle that you can just kind of rub on the lamp when you need him. Maybe you see God like you see your father. And I want to encourage you, Tasha and I were talking before church, she talked about kind of making a list, and that's even kind of what I did this week as I just kind of walked through this sermon. I was like, man, how did I see God? I want to encourage you maybe this week on your phone or on a piece of paper, just kind of just like start writing out, how do I view God? Because I think we need to come to grips with that. I think sometimes we need to get a handle on that. Hey, here's how I see God. Because listen, until you begin to see God in the right way, you're going to struggle to hear from God. When you're always thinking God's mad at you, you're going to struggle to hear God's voice. For me, the voice I heard the most when I think about God that I associated with God was negative. It was harsh. I remember I would think God would tell me things like, Chad, you're not good enough. Oops, you failed again. I, I remember thinking God must have had a, like, used a lot of erasers on me. <laughs> you know, like, what are you talking about erasers? Well, there's a scripture that talks about how he blots out the names from the book of life. And I remember as a kid, I thought every time I sinned, God was up there, well, oh, he said, forgive me, write it back in there. Wouldn't you love to have had that job? Some of you, some of you in this room have got to be like, yeah, what, what do I do, you know? I mean, but that's always the voices I heard. It was negative. It was harsh. You failed again. You're, you're not living up to what I want. You're probably going to miss the rapture. Oh, everybody's going to be mad at you. And let me just tell you, that is not the voice of God. 
That is not what God sounds like. That is not who he is. God is a God of grace and God is a God of mercy and he loves you and he's all forgiving and he's compassionate. That's the voice of God. If I could show you a scripture that kind of just really kind of nails down kind of my thinking of God. My, my, it's a beautiful scripture. It's, it's one we use a lot in the church as a whole. But this is one of those scriptures, if you stop reading it too soon, you're going to miss the best part of the verse. I think what I did in my upbringing, and this is what I feel like the Lord really revealed to me this week. I feel like what I did in my upbringing in the church, nobody's fault but my own, is I stopped reading the verse. The verse, is, the verse that I stopped, kind of in essence, the Lord kind of said, this is where you stopped, is Romans 6.23, and it says the payment for sin is death. That's kind of where I stopped reading. The payment for sin is death. And listen, the payment for sin, for bad choices, if God doesn't redeem it, it is death. If God doesn't forgive us, if he doesn't redeem our bad mistakes, the penalty is death. But aren't you glad? Somebody redeemed you. And that's kind of where I would stop. I just kind of stop there and, oh man, God's going to kill me. Oh, God's going to wipe me off the earth. Oh, I'm going to miss the rapture. I'm going to be the only one that, I mean, all these thoughts, God's angry at me. That's where I stop. But listen to the rest of the verse. This is the grace. This is the mercy. This is the God I want you to capture today. But the gift that God freely gives is everlasting life found in Jesus. Christ. Too many of us stop, but the payment is death. We don't keep moving. No, the payment is death if he doesn't redeem it. But when he redeems it, it's life. And that's where I want to live today, and this is where I want you to live today. I don't want us to have distorted views of who God is. I want us to understand this fact, and here's what I want you to capture today as I wrap up. God wants to be in relationship with me. God wants to be in relationship with you. He's not angry at you. He's not waiting to bop you on the head. He's not hiding around the corner waiting for you to make a mistake and jump out and say, Ha! I caught you! That's not who God is. He loves you. He wants to be in relationship with you. He wants to communicate with you. He is a God who communicates to people he's in relationship with. You say, how do I know that? Well, look at scripture. In scripture, we see that God spoke to Noah about a coming flood, and it rescued Noah and his entire family. In Genesis chapter 12, we see that God spoke to Abraham and gave him a promise about his family and about his future. In Exodus chapter 3, verse 2, we see that Moses heard from God from a bush that was burning that wouldn't stop burning. And we see that God clearly spoke and gave Moses directions and gave him step by step about how to lead the children out of Israel, out of Egypt. He gave them, he gave him step by step kind of instructions on how to deal with Pharaoh. Later when Moses was leading the children out of Egypt into the wilderness, scripture tells us that all the people heard the voice of God. God clearly communicated with Joshua after his friend and his mentor Moses died and he gave Moses, he gave Joshua step-by-step instructions on how to inherit the promised land. He spoke to a man named Gideon, and he gave him very specific instructions, very specific directions on how many, or rather how few, warriors to take with him so God would give him swift and complete 
victory. In the New Testament alone, we see God speak to his son Jesus over and over and over again. In the New Testament, we see him speak to his disciples. In the New Testament, we see God speak to those of us, those who made up the New Testament church. The God we serve is a communicating God, and he wants to talk to those of us he's in relationship with. He wants to talk to you. Here's the question I have for you today. Write this down. What is God saying to you? What is God saying to you? Maybe he's trying to tell you that he loves you. Maybe he's trying to tell you that he created you and that you aren't junk. Maybe he's trying to communicate something very specific to you. Maybe he's trying to say, hey, here's the next steps for your family. Maybe he's trying to talk to you about your future. What's God saying to you? Are you listening? I opened up with this story and I closed with it today. 1 Kings chapter 19. It's the story of Elijah. Elijah was a very powerful prophet for God. Did great things. Well, this prophet was full of zeal, full of power. But one, of these day, one day his, his zeal kind of vanished. His boldness kind of vanished. And he finds himself alone and he's complaining to God. In fact, you can see it. In 1 Kings chapter 19, he's like, I'm the only one that's left. Nobody cares. He's singing this horrible, sad country song. In my opinion, Elijah was probably depressed. If he's not depressed, he's at the bare minimum discouraged, and God shows up in a powerful way. And I want to show you today, and this story proves to me, that God loves to communicate to us even when we're in our lowest spots. Even when we have a distorted image of God, if we'll just lower the ambient noise of life, God will show up and speak to us. In this series, I'm going to give you some practical steps on how to hear God's voice. We're going to talk to you very clearly. But today, I really want to just deal with this distorted image of God and tell you God's not angry at you. He wants to be in relationship with you. God's not your CEO. He wants to be in relationship with you. God's not who your earthly father is. He's your heavenly father. He wants to be in relationship with you. God's not a genie in the bottle. He wants to be in relationship with you. And we see that from this story in 1 Kings chapter 19, Elijah had a first-hand encounter with God. And that's what I think some of us need is a first-hand encounter with God. So God, in 1 Kings chapter 19, Elijah complains. He collapses under a tree. He's exhausted. And the Lord shows up in verse 11. And he tells him, hey, Elijah, go stand on the mountain at attention before me. And before that, God gives him some very specific instructions. And it took Elijah 40 days and 40 nights to even get to this place. And God speaks to him here and he says, hey, I want you to go. Elijah hikes up the mountain. Can you imagine, though, when God says, hey, Elijah, I want you to go here. I want to talk to you. Can you imagine the wonder and the amazement that probably in, it was in Elijah's heart? I wonder what God's going to say to me. I wonder how God's going to show up. So scripture tells us that the Bible, the Bible describes a hurricane force wind, really. It shows up on this mountain. You know, Elijah probably thought, hey, this is God. I mean, this is powerful. But God wasn't in the wind, Scripture tells us. Next comes a mountain trembling earthquake. And Elijah has to think, well, this is God because this is powerful. I mean, this is about, I mean, rattling this mountain. Surely this is God. But God wasn't in the quake. Next comes this all-consuming fire. Well, this is God. I mean, this is God. This is who he is. You know, that's a lot of us, we think of God, wind, earthquake, fire, powerful things. And yes, God is powerful. 
But how did God show up to Elijah? In the whisper. You see, you can't hear God when the wind is blowing. You can't hear God, in essence, when life is just so loud and noisy around you. We've got to lower the volume. Elijah's standing on the mountainside. The wind is blowing. The earth is shook. The fire has come through. Now it's silent, and God whispers. Listen, and after the fire, there was a soft whisper of a voice. Another translation says, a gentle and quiet whisper. This is where Elijah found God. What I want to tell you in this series, what I want you to capture on this series, God is all-powerful. He is righteous. He is holy. He is sovereign. He is majestic. He is just all of that. But more than any of that, more than God being all-powerful, more than God being all-knowing, more than God being all-everything, here's what I want you to know in this series. God yearns to be in relationship with you. Yes, he's powerful, but he wants to talk to you. Yes, he's all-knowing, but he wants to talk to you about your key card. Yes, he, he knows everything that's happening around you. Yes, he's powerful, but he wants to whisper to you about your marriage. He wants to whisper to you about your health. He wants to whisper to you about your son. He wants to whisper to you about your finances. Let me ask you today, what is God saying to you? What is God trying to talk to you about? What's he saying? Let's pray. Thank you so much for joining us. Special thanks to those of you who give to this ministry. It's because of you that this ministry is possible. You can check out the link in the description to give or visit destinychurch.me slash give. Don't forget to subscribe and share with your friends. We love you and have a blessed week.